Welcome to the Living the Writing Life podcast. My guest today is author Shante Thomas. Shante is a 28-year veteran fifth grade teacher in Shaker Heights, Ohio, and has been writing children's stories over the span of her career. In 2017, she decided it was time to bring her stories to life and published her first book, Where I'm From, sharing the geographic story of five diverse children with roots in the United States, Africa, and Asia. Her second book, Go to School, Tommy, is about the power of a smile. And her third book, Sean and the Book Cures, told from a child's perspective, takes readers through the unforgettable year COVID-19 disrupted lives. Shante is currently finishing her fourth book, Sean and the Great Sacrifice, Can You Spare a Kidney? A story about love and organ donation. Shante is the mother of two sons and is a caregiver to her 88-year-old mother. Her desire is to inspire youth to not only read, but also encourage them to create, build, and write their own stories, yielding from their own personal adventures. In today's conversation, we'll be talking about the role of books in helping us to better understand ourselves, other people, and life events. Welcome to the show, Shante. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is an absolute pleasure. Um, based on the fact that you are a teacher as well as an author, I'd like to start with talking about literacy and reading, especially when it comes to children. From your perspective as a teacher for 28 years, have you seen a decline in reading skills or interest in reading with regard to children? And if so, to what do you attribute it? Again, I wanna to say to you, author Nancy Christie, thank you so much for inviting me to have this conversation with you today. I am thrilled, it is such an honor and um, I'm looking forward to our exchange. So yeah, I've been teaching now. This is the start of my 28th year. Um, I have taught language arts and reading for a small part of my career. Mostly I have been in the social studies domain and math. But one of the things that I always like to do is just introduce subjects with picture books. And also our students have to read like in the content area. And absolutely, I am noticing there is a decline in their comprehension. And so while students um, have improved in their fluency, and so we can see that that sort of is something that's being reinforced, um, it's the comprehension that is decreasing. And it could be because that takes a lot of effort to think about what you're reading. Um, and, and the technology age has also like really come upon us. And so kids have their phones, you know, social media, TikTok, all this other stuff happens so fast and video games. So reading is a patient sport. And I think that we have to figure out a way to merge where they are with what we're doing so that we can keep them engaged. Yes. So I gather that reading is important to a child's overall development. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We have to read. We have to read. We have to read. You know, my youngest son has autism and his developmental pediatrician from age, I'll say four on, 
she was like, you've got to read to him. You've got to read to him every night. He needs to hear those words. You know, the number of kids, words that a child will hear is so important. And when we see that our kids are struggling with comprehension, we know that they weren't exposed to enough books, enough reading, you know, when they were younger. And so that is our challenge. I mean, even, and I see it with Chase, the more we read to him, the more um, tools he's given to be able to communicate in a more effective manner. So reading gives us the words, it gives us the scripts, it gives us our situations. So then when we don't know what to do, we have a template that's there. When should parents begin reading to their children? I mean, should they wait until they're one or two or should they start even when they're infants? Oh my gosh, they should start when they're in their their bodies. Yeah, before we come out, we hear all these words. Um, Again, you know, I was so, I'm so grateful for all of the stories and the advice that I received from friends who had babies before me. And one friend said she would go to the museum And while her children were inside, while she was carrying them, and she would read about the artwork, you know, just reading. They want to hear our voices. They want to fall in love with the words that we speak. And then they come out and we read and we talk. We talk about the weather. I mean, whatever it is, at whatever age, when they're in the stroller, you know, we're we're reading to them. We're having conversations with them. I'm sorry. You know, but this is all very important. The exposure to words making them be exposed to literature and just to be literate. All, it's all hand in hand. Now, I know in September, we have several important dates in books and literacy. We've got library card sign up month and I love my library. Um, National read a book day, international literacy day, national um, adult education and family literacy week and banned book weeks, of course. Um, But let's start with National Adult Education and Family Literacy Week. What can parents do? And I think it's a lot harder now. Uh, You know, when I look back, my kids did not have the smartphone, the technology and that. I mean, you had some TV, that was it. So what can parents do to encourage their children to read more just in general and to read more critically in particular, especially now, when they're reading social media posts, they're just reading it voraciously. It's like junk food, but they don't have an understanding whether anything they're reading is truthful or accurate. That's a lot. Yeah. So, so first thinking about this focus on the National Adult and Family Literacy Week, I think that that is, it's huge because I think reading is a family activity whatever the family looks like. Is it mom, dad? Is it mom and grandma? Is it, you know, but it is a family activity, especially when we're trying to encourage a love of literature, when we have reluctant readers, and maybe some of our family adult members are not the most literate. So what we need to do is encourage that space for families to read together, to learn together, And with the library, you know, the library card week, with all of these things that are happening in September, I think we have to get families involved and the librarians are there to help with, here's a book that your entire family might find interesting. And 
there are tools that read aloud books. You know, there's there's Audible, and then there are other things that are freer, um, that are free. So I think the focus on the family is getting everyone to take a step back to books. Maybe there's a hard book, or maybe we're listening to something, or maybe it's a combination. And hopefully we can find a way to get the resources so that families know, like there's Dolly Parton. I mean, you just have to sign up and you get a book in the mail for free. Um, there's nothing like the feel of a book. So I, I feel like if nothing else, that's saying it's not just what we tell the kids to do in school. Reading is not just a subject, but it is a family activity. And we read for information, we read for pleasure. And hopefully in those conversations, because that's what is also necessary, we can start talking about how to look at things critically because it is an era where we are competing with social media, with um, news stories that are fake news. Well, how do we know what's fake, right? How do we know um, if someone is biased? How do we know if someone has an agenda and they want us to think a certain way? So, you know, there's all of this that's going on at the same time that we wanna just become good readers. We wanna love literature, but we also need to vet what information is coming our way. So we have a lot to do and we need, we need help, right? So um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the work that librarians do. I'm grateful for their outreach to schools to say we can help you um, with their researching and staying current with books that are informative and engaging and interesting. Um, one of my fondest memories growing up, growing up was the bookshelf in my room with my World Book Encyclopedias, because I loved my facts. And with, you know, my books that I read over and over again. And so, you know, I hope we can put those books in our in our kids' hands too, you know, where they have those favorites that they read over and over with their families. You know, one other, one other question too tied into this is the role that school libraries and libraries in general play in a child's development, which, you know, obviously right now, especially school libraries are under such attack for whatever is on their shelves and being attacked by whoever has an objection to it. So what role do they play in a child's development? Um, the school librarians and the school library. You know, I remember fondly like that trip to the library and our, as a kid and the librarians would always like today, here's a new author, here's a new book, right? Like it was so much fun to be exposed because that was their job, like to, to really be, you know, aware and informed about books that kids would like. Today, I think we ask a little more of them because our kids now have all these different skill sets, right? So like I'm in a fifth grade, sixth grade school, for example, and our librarian has to find high interest, but maybe it's a book though for someone that's at a third grade reading level. So they have so much more work to do because we learn, we learn so much more about kids and what their needs are. So we still wanna find high interest, but readability, or where all of our children are. And then 
I think they have the challenge of being courageous too and making sure that they put a variety of books on the bookshelves, right? Even though now we know that many topics are constantly, you know, being challenged, but yet our kids want these books. And I, and I, and I really, you know, I would caution, I say this, right? Because I think that, you know, kids seek information. And if we can vet certain kinds of information and provide a good book, it's our responsibility. Because if not, I'm going to get on my phone and Google, and then I'm going to let anyone tell me um, about how I should feel. You know, I mean, in kids now, even younger and younger, it gets pushed back, like how they feel about their identity, how they feel about, you know, my gosh, I mean, we're seeing so much now with gender, you know, racial, you know, just all of this stuff. And a good book with a character that you can relate to can do wonders for a kid who's struggling. And I think our librarians and our libraries need to help with that because parents can't keep up, teachers can't, you know, like we can't keep up, but somebody, we need someone to be able to do that for us. So that's where I feel about librarians. Yeah, yeah you're, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and especially, you know, even as an adult, when I was going through challenges in my life, and I, I like to read novels, I like to read short stories. I'm a fiction writer, I'm a fiction reader. And I would find myself looking for stories about women who were going through whatever crisis I was going through, just simply to get maybe a better perspective on what, what I could be doing or looking for a story that would make me feel a little bit hopeful about my situation. You know, it's, it's being able even though it's a fictional character and it's a made up story, still at the same time, I think whether you're an adult or a child, reading a story that has some connection with what you're going through can help, can give you like a, a little bit of a guiding light and say, oh, this is how the character dealt with that. I never thought of that. or. Um, say it's a conflict between a parent and a child, which, you know, we all have, we all went through that with our kids and when we were kids. And it's like, oh, but in this story, I'm also hearing the mother's perspective. Gee, I never yeah. thought my mother might be feeling like that, you know? So yeah, I, I, I think that is so important. And, and you're right, kids are faced with so many other things right now that you know weren't even on on the radar when I was growing up, and to be able to to pick up a book, I mean, here's the thing: I'm a white woman. Every book I picked up as a child had white kids in it. I went eight years of, of schooling with white children. I never thought about it. Okay, you you didn't think about it, but. If I would have been a black child, how would I have felt if every book I picked up, nobody looked like me? So, you know, this is where, and maybe, maybe this is more of an advantage our children have that my generation didn't have is, now you can pick up books like the books you write. Now you can pick up books and whether you're white, black, 
Asian, whatever, you're going to find hopefully a book with characters who look like you so that you don't feel like, you know, like a second class or an invisible person. Yeah, I mean, that is, gosh, I mean, you really nailed it when you said that. I will tell you um, quickly about my book, Where I'm From, and I was being interviewed by our media rep from our school district. This is when I first released it. And well, it was in 2018 when we had the interview. And she was a person who, um, her mother was Chinese and then her father you know, was white and they grew up in Cincinnati. And she said to me that if there were a book like that when she was younger, it would have changed so many things for her because she never thought about the fact that there were all of these other different um, racial groups. She grew up with white, all whites, right? And she said when her mom would cook and, and her, to her, her food smelled differently. And so she had shame, like she didn't wanna invite friends over because she didn't wanna share that part with them. And so books that now are able to just bring other perspectives and other experiences, even if it's not yours, it's really, I, I think it can really be helpful. And I so appreciate the opportunities that being a self-published author are bringing to me because I'm able to tell the stories that I want. You know, many years ago when I first wrote the format for where I'm from, because it's changed a bit since I wrote it and published it, and there was no interest. They weren't interested in a book like that. You know, it, it wasn't needed. And so there were those few books that kind of pushed through, but, you know, no thank you. And I even remember um, once upon a time I was at the Virginia, the Virginia Hamilton um, conference and I met an illustrator in the elevator and um, I said, oh my gosh, you're one of my favorites. I won't say his name. And I was like, oh, I've written a book. Well, you know, it was this manuscript in my folder. And he said, well, what's stopping you from, you know, publishing it? I said, well, I need a publisher. He says, why no one? And he gave me the phone number to his wife. And I called her. And at that time, it was a, a it would have been a, a, a juvenile adult fiction book. And it was about a character whose mother had a disease. And for whatever reason, I was interested in Huntington's disease at that time because I had just completed this workshop and it was a really cool thing. Well, once I mentioned that, she was no longer interested because really it wasn't anything that was on our radar. Maybe had I said breast cancer or something, it would have been of interest to her. But I'm saying that to say, you know, there are people out there that are struggling with different diseases and, you know, we need to see our, our stories told as well. You know, that is not my story. But now there is an opportunity to just tell stories, you know, whereas I think, you know, just kind of going traditionally, sometimes, you know, things have to check off a lot of boxes. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, well, that's not the trend right now in the market. So there's not going to be an interest for it. Right. Right. And so, you know, it's, and I get it, you know, we, 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 people need to make money, but again, I, you know, really want my stories to resonate and to make someone see themselves being victorious in whatever they're going through or give them some tools along the way. 
So I don't know that I'm doing this to make a lot of money because, you know, I don't know that I'm checking off those boxes. But, you know, that that makes me feel good when I see a little girl see the, the cover and they go, oh, my gosh, that's me. Or I see a girl who is, you know, of mixed heritage and she's like, oh, my gosh, that's my story. Or someone who is constantly thinking another language, but then having to speak English because they are, you know, um, a first generation here. That's my story. And then the other kids are like, oh, my gosh, I never thought about what that person was going through. So we have all of these small wins for people to just feel like what they're going through is okay. And they see it in the character that they can connect with. So this is why I'm very concerned when we talk about like banned books, you know, and how these, the lists are increasing. And when I looked at the list that you provided, you know, I, I was in shock. I'm gonna just show you. This is a just a cover of a book. It's called Sully. And it's by Lupita Nyong'o. And it's on there. And this book is a story that um, I share with my students during Women's History Month. So every day I would bring them a book by a different female author. And my kids fell in love with this book because of really, it's the story of a kid who thought she was just too Black compared to the skin tones of her sister and her mom. And they loved it. But this is a book that is on the list because it celebrates the blackness of this character, you know. And so we have some work to do with trying to understand how these books get on these lists and getting them off. You know, that, and that, that is just, I mean, when I looked at some of the statistics, um, one of them says that more than 1,100 Books have been banned by school districts between July 1st, 2021 and March 31st, 2022. And also that 41% that were tied to directives from state officials or elected lawmakers. You know, you've, you've got to assume that this isn't because they're concerned about the quality of the book or the topic, but more from a political prejudicial standpoint. And, and this is, you know, this is very dangerous because, you know, as you said, kids need to be exposed to other cultures so that they can, other cultures so they can better understand them. And then they also need to read books that they can relate to at a personal level because otherwise, I mean, their self-esteem has to take such a major hit if they are not reading books that look like them with characters who are like them or have their experiences. Right. I agree. I agree totally. I mean, I, and I know um, I'm just kind of going back to what you said, but I remember the books that I began with those basils with, you know, Dick and Jane and, you know, I mean, none of it looked like any part of my life. I mean, at that time, our schools were even still pretty much, um, homogenous, you know, and, and just neighborhood schools and things like that. So, you know, you have the school that looks one way, but then you're given these books or dolls for that matter, you know, that, that don't reflect who you are. And you're right. There is a subtle message that says, you know, am I less than? So I'm, I'm, I think it's important. And I, and I look at, I will, you know, the, the kids that are coming through now, and their issues are even going beyond racial identity. Like there's just so much 
that they need help with that I could imagine as a parent, we need help with too. Like trying to put the right book in front of our kids to help them. And we have the state saying no, because there are these, maybe these well-heeled groups that are saying, we don't want that out there. Mm-hmm. What, what should parents do, first of all, to educate themselves about what books are, are being banned that maybe now their child doesn't have access to in the school library, but how can they also get a better understanding of, of what books their children should be reading just to broaden their perspective? Where should they even start? Because I imagine, you know, if you're a parent nowadays, it's like, wow, I'm supposed to be monitoring this, that, this, that. I'll just leave that part up to the schools because I don't know any better. Or the school says, no, they must have a good reason. What, where should a parent even start? That's a great question. And I, I think I want to go back to the libraries. And, you know, the librarians are there. My, my sons and I, we spent some time in the library this summer and, um, one of the local libraries where I live, they had just renovated and it was an amazing space. And they're just there, like, how can we help you? You know, and they're also, they bring in authors. I mean, their programming is such that I think libraries are doing a really good job to help inform. So I think the message is getting families to walk through those doors you know, and then that's where they can get the most help. I think the second place is, of course, what we all do is go to school. And hopefully we have teachers that are becoming more and more aware of the fact that we have to expose all of our kids to stories that matter. As kids get older, they're going to start to just turn off. They're going to just, you know, they begin to think my oldest is in seventh grade. But last year in sixth grade, I saw through emails, like teachers saying, are there books that you all can recommend? We are trying to beef up um, our book selections for all of our kids. So they're coming to us and then we're like, well, who do we go to? You know, so everyone is really seeking this information. So I wish I could offer a, a source and say, go here, but I really think that the libraries are a good place to just camp out because that's what they're doing. They're, they're keeping their eye on new books and trends. And we do have access to the internet, right? So it's pretty easy to, you know, Google, what are some banned books for my kids age level? And that'll turn up. And, you know, we have to do research, but we have to research everything. Yeah, no, that that's an excellent suggestion. Because, you know, if, if we see those lists, and I, and I know there's, if you, if you just Google banned book, books week, there's a lot of information on that website. But yeah, I, I think, you know, not that I want to put anything more on a parent because I know they're overwhelmed already, but it is so important because this is how our children learn about themselves, about other children, other nationalities, about other situations. And if we can get them when they want to learn, then maybe that will help offset some of the nonsense, not the strongest word I'd like to use, but some of the nonsense that they will then see on social media, you know, they will 
start looking at things and people and situations maybe with a, uh, a more objective or questioning uh, view rather than just automatically assume this is the way things are, you know, because they have not been exposed to a different, different way of thinking about it. You know, one of the things I, I, I definitely want to talk about is your own history as an author. Um, I know you didn't start writing your books until 2017. So what started that decision? Why did you decide to, to jump into, you know, a whole second career? Because writing books, that's another career when you're already a teacher. You know, it's really interesting. So I'm going to take you back. Actually, when I was in grad school, I had to take a, a children's like literacy, literature survey course. And so at that time, when I started looking at books, the books that I felt represented me were, you know, Ezra Jack Key to Snowy Day. I mean, there was just a very small segment of books of people by color. And so one of the things that I started trying to do was to find some of the books that were out there to share as a resource document. And that's really what made me think, wow, you know, do I have a story to tell? And I always found myself like starting stories and not finishing them. But that was when I began to create where, where I'm from. So it's a really old story. And what would happen as a teacher when I would introduce myself to students every year and I would tell them something about me, I would go and guess what? I wrote a book. And they're like, oh my gosh, can we see it? This went on for years. Well, I couldn't show them anything because it was a manuscript in a file. And I continued to write, and but I didn't go beyond that. I had a, a rejection letter. I had another offer that was what I discovered later is really not a good offer. Um, and I just kind of felt like maybe I have the satisfaction in just writing these stories. But um, in 2000. 16 or so, I started thinking, it's time. It's time to bring these stories to life, or I have to stop saying I'm an author. It's one or the other. And um, I was fortunate enough, after having asked a million people, do you know an illustrator? Do you know an illustrator? To have met Jennifer Bryce Davis, who illustrated my first two books, Where I'm From and Go to School, Tommy. And so she really... Um, had a wealth of knowledge with self-publishing. She illustrated and we, and we just worked through the process. And so she opened the door for me to just really make this dream come true. And then where I'm from was, was really well received. Like people liked it. And I said, oh my gosh, I have a story to tell. And so then from there, like the question was, well, what's next? I'm like, you want another one? And so that's the bug. And that's what has happened. Um, and now it's just really this thing that has just taken off. And I'm so excited about it and grateful for it. Why, why did you decide to write children's books versus writing adult books? Because my space has always been with children. You know, I, I, teaching and I think seeing the stories that were out there and maybe being sort of that armchair quarterback and thinking this would be a really good story. 
um, these are the stories that come to me. I, um, they're, believe it or not, I write in my sleep and I sort of see, which is so ridiculous. I shouldn't say that, you know, cause I know people draft and do these things, but I have to see the beginning and the end in my sleep. And then once I do, then I can get started. And this is my space. Like, what are the stories? Like go to school, Tommy is my son's both wake up every day and they want to go to school. So it's not their story, but I do know there are kids who don't wanna to come to school. I had a student the other day who showed up maybe on day four. And as soon as she was in line, she was in tears. What's wrong? I don't wanna to come to school. I gave her a hug. I'm like, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be okay. You're gonna meet friends. But there are kids who don't want to come to school. So my story or message is smile and watch what happens. So I think I write these stories for kids because I see that there's a need and a space for them to read independently and then to have conversations with an adult and maybe think I can do this too. And that's really what I want. I want them to go, oh, I can write a story. I can illustrate. I have a talent. And so I think my books look pretty accessible to them where they're like, oh my gosh, I could do that too. Mm -hmm. Do you well, I don't have stories in me. <laughs> do your books have a, an overarching theme or message that you, you try to incorporate in them? I try to show young characters solving problems in their life. And I try to show diverse characters that we don't typically see um, narrating. So in where I'm from, they're narrating their stories and they're telling us through their voice what makes them really special and unique. Um, and so they're relatable to young and older people. Um, in the one that I released last year, Sean and the Book Cures, I feel like there's a need to see more characters of color that are boys reading and enjoying books and being fun and cool as well. And so I wanted to introduce that character. So my theme is for young kids of color, but all groups to see these kids as leaders, as readers, working things out with their families in a positive way. Mm -hmm. So even in going to school, Tommy, like the mom, this kid that doesn't want to go to school, she says, I'm going to help you stay on track. And she shows this chart where they're going to use it as a, an incentive chart. So that might help a kid who's like, oh my gosh, mom, can we try this? Or it helps a parent or a mom who needed an idea. So I just want people to look at some of the scenarios and feel celebrated and not feel alone. And I think that that really is my, my, my overarching theme. Well, it, see, it seems like it, it's working. I mean, definitely because of the topics that you've covered so far, um, you know, you, you mentioned that you have more ideas. What are some of the other topics that are in the back of your mind that you, you'd like to explore? Any in particular you wanna share? Not, not to sneak into your creative process here, but. You know, I, for now, I want to really celebrate. Can I show you my newest? Yes. Because it's 
quite well. So this is, um, I think this, this is the rough copy. I have another one in my room and I should have brought it out, but this was the one that I told you about, which is Sean and the book cures and it's mm -hmm. sacrifice. Can you spare a kidney? And what I like about this character, it's the same character. He's just older and he and his cousin use books to learn about something that's really been bothering one of the cousins. We don't realize this until later, but his mom uh, needs a new kidney and she's been on dialysis and this is her second go around at needing the kidney. And, you know, he doesn't really understand what's going on. And so they research it together. And he ultimately tells Sean that that research made him feel so much better. He was less worried about his mom. It helps him develop his faith. And so ultimately, you know, she gets a kidney and it's fine. So this is a fictional account of a nonfiction event. And I feel like that's where I want to go with maybe another story. Um, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I mean, maybe that's the story that we write to, you know, kids are sometimes really lonely in the stuff that's going on. And sometimes families don't know how to um, help their kids when they're also a little unnerved and scared. So I, that may be my space. Now my son, Sean, thinks that these books are about him. And he wants me to actually tell one of his tales in middle school. I don't know, you know, I mean, look, he's playing football. Maybe it's Sean plays football. So I'm, I'm not sure what's next. I haven't had that dream yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when it, when it hits me, then I'll get started. Well, I, I think that's, uh, I think it's interesting that you are now looking at other kind of um, the different life events, because that is true. I mean, when, if a family gets hit with, um, say, one of the parents having uh, a, a major catastrophic illness, or if something else happens, the parent loses their job and, and they're suddenly, you know, there's barely enough money for food. I mean, you know, a lot of times parents are, are thinking, well, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to burden my child with this, but it's not like the kid doesn't know there's something going on. And then what they imagine can be so much worse than what's actually happening. So maybe by writing these kinds of books, that also is a jumping off point for a parent to have the discussion with the child to better understand, you know. Right. And, and honestly, you know, selfishly, or, or just to reveal this, like I didn't know how to tell my kids about my own stuff. So probably I was, was wishing that there was a book that I could, you know, read with them together and say, let's see, mommy's going to be okay. So, you know, different event, but the mommy is okay. So I feel like, you know, that's necessary. You know, we need to see that, you know, kids get scared, families get scared. So maybe the books, you know, will go in that direction. I'm not sure yet where I want to go with that. It might just be a STEM thing. And, you know, let's, you know, this kid gets turned on and wants to go to medical school. I don't know what happens next. Well, now, you know, I think that's the exciting thing sometimes about being an author 
is, right. you know, we, we get an idea, we, we get it on paper. If we're lucky, we get it published. And, you know, we might hear from somebody who said, I read this book and because of what you wrote, um, like for the kind of books you write, I was able to explain things better to my child about what's going on. Right. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's, we, we never really know the impact we might be having on other people unless they take the time to let us know. But it's, it's just the possibility that we're going to write something that's going to make a difference. And, and I think that's, I mean, yes, sure. We all want to write the book and make a million dollars and yada, 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 win all the awards. Odds on that are kind of slim, but you know, to know we've made a difference, to know that we've touched somebody, that's in so many ways so much more rewarding than the award you won this year that next year somebody else is going to win the award. So everybody forgot about you, right? But when you right. make a difference in someone's life. That is and, really, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, and you being an educator, now, now you're almost on or you are on two tracks of making a difference because as an educator, you're making a difference, obviously with the children, but then by writing books for children, you have this whole second pathway of making a difference in their life and maybe by extension in the lives of their families. And, you know, I love what you said and I really think that that's, that's what I do. And that's, that's why I'm doing it. But I will tell you, since you, you know, I was, I was listening to you and I was thinking, I hear my son in the background and um, the other book that one day will come is called Oh Chase. He has autism and he's there. There's a lot there that, you know, he gives me a lot of, of pages every day when I watch him. So I don't, I don't know what's next, but for me, it is, my happy space when I'm at the computer and I'm writing and creating and I can see the beginning and the end. And, um, and that's why I do it. And as long as it makes me happy, you know, I'm gonna continue. Why do you write? Not that this is your interview, but. You know, sometimes, sometimes I write because there's a story that I, that I just have to, the characters grab me and I want to share their story. And sometimes I write just to figure things out. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's stories that I have written that years later, whatever my character went through at the time I wrote the story, I was not going through. And then years later, I'm going through it and I go back to my own story to, to kind of look at, I mean, it's, it's a little weird sometimes because it's like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm looking back and my own characters are teaching me something. But for me, writing's just always something I've done since I was little. I never, it was not a choice. It was just, it, it just was, you know what I mean? It's just something I, I couldn't not do. And, um, you know, it's, it's, and, it, and it's, you know, and I'm sure you've had the same thing. It's not always easy. Sometimes we are frustrated. Sometimes we go through periods of self-doubt where you wonder if, you know, is, 
is there a market for what I'm, I'm writing? Am I writing it good enough that or well enough, whatever. Um, (laughs) Sorry. And I should know better um, to, to get my message across, you know, is this, is this something that's really going to make a difference? And then other times that confidence just takes over us and we're like, I'm going to do this. Right. And, and who cares that a publisher said there's no market for it. I know you're wrong and I'm going to prove you wrong because I'm going to put this book out there. So do you, do you ever have periods where you had doubt about your ability to turn out something that you thought was going to meet your expectations? Well, as I um, continue to really learn more about, um, you know, all of this, like finding different illustrators, different kinds of illustrators, telling the story, what I want the end product to look like. You know, sometimes when I sit now and I, maybe I'm at a book fair and I have my three books there and I watch the book that people buy. And then I doubt myself. I go, did I waste my time? Like, why did I have this book or this book? Because there's usually one book that people will always buy. I don't know if I sell it the best or what. And so I do, I doubt myself. I I just said this to a dear friend of mine the other day. I said, why did I write the other books? Because people really just love where I'm from, you know? And she's like, no, you know, it's okay. You know, they're, they're, they're all there for a purpose, you know, and they've all, you know, they all bring something to the space, but yeah, I do. I feel that you know, from day to day, it changes. My confidence changes um, about the different stories. So. And it's just, you know, I, I think sometimes when we go through those periods, we just have to remind ourselves, this is just part of the process. Everybody right. goes through this. I mean, I, I've been, figure my first book came out in 2004. So I've been to a lot of book signings, you know, the, the kind that, like the one where we met, you know, or a multi-author where there's tables of authors and sometimes you're the one who does really well and sometimes it's the person sitting next to you whose books are flying off their table and you're sitting there with one or two but it's it's just um you know I I try to tell myself it's not about the sale it's about making the connection you know even if somebody doesn't buy your book this time maybe if they even just picked it up and looked at it, it might spark something in their mind that, oh, you know, and, and especially I think what's good about your books is, yes, they may feature um, different, um, different uh, nationalities, different racial um, identities and that, but that doesn't mean that, oh, if there's a black child on the cover, well, this is only a book for black children. Right. Because if you think about it, for how many decades we have been expecting Black children to read books with white kids on the cover. So the reverse, you know, it's about time for one thing. But not only that, it also just reinforces the idea that there are more than one kind of kid out there. Yeah. And there's nothing, there's nothing inherently weird about a white parent 
picking up a book for their white child that features a black child on the cover. What's wrong with that? You know, but they don't. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's also an education for the parents to realize it's not, these are books for black kids. Where's the books for the white kids? There, there is no color when you're buying books for children. Right. Because there is no, there is no differentiating when you're in the world. You know, you have right. all the nationalities and all the colors and everything. So, so your child's bookshelf should also be a representation of the world in which they live. Isn't that like the first most important lesson? You know, if, if with new moms, if they have these diverse bookshelves and their kids from day one, you know, they're learning about Tommy or Sean or whoever, you know, and that's it, you know, and, and that's that really important message that's taught or there's the subliminal message, which is you don't have that diverse bookshelf and what are you saying? Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. Every, the books are for everyone. Mm-hmm. Books should be for everyone. You Absolutely. know, I used to, go ahead. No, go ahead. So I was going to say, you know, when I was a kid, honestly, my favorite author was Judy Bloom, And I still, I still claim her. Are You There, God is Me, Margaret was life-changing, right? Well, I don't know. It's probably on a banned book list now. But, you know, it was, it was life-changing because these characters, this character shared all those thoughts that we had. I didn't care that Margaret didn't look like me. I cared about the story that she told. But the same thing is, you know, we should also have stories of, of kids of color that, you know, again, we embrace and fall in love with, you know, I mean, these characters are for everyone to, to love and grow up loving. So if, if that would be, would be my impact in this world, that would be great. I'll take well, that. and that was perfect because I always like to end my, my podcast interviews with this question, which is, what is your personal definition of success as a writer and how will you know if you achieved it? I really think that you just helped me with that, you know, and just to see diverse bookshelves, right? Maybe they're my books, maybe they're someone else's books, you know, and, and this is the thing that I've come to realize, you know, when you, again, when you're out at book festivals, no one's competing with anyone, you know, you find the book that speaks to you. But if the message is that we want to have books that reflect our world, let's have diverse bookshelves in schools, at home, libraries, that librarians are versed in just giving different ideas to families, you know, I think I would feel pretty good about that. And if my books are out there too, then that's a win for me. It's a win for us all. Well, I have just loved having you on the show. This has been so illuminating and and um, interesting from a variety of perspectives. And I wish you the best of luck with your books and with your mission statement and with your diverse bookshelf idea, because I, I think you're right on track with that. Oh, thank you. Thank you again so much. I mean, you have, you, you already know how much I appreciate your support, your feedback, um, and just this opportunity. So thank you. Thank you so much. It was my absolute pleasure. Thanks again for being part of the show. And thanks to everyone who joined us here at Living the Writing Life.